Good morning, MacAv. Good morning, good morning. I'm Pastor Leon, and uh, I've been able to walk with people during varying times of their life. And one thing I've come to find out is that everybody has a philosophy on parenting. Everybody has a philosophy on parenting. You may not have had uh, everybody in your household, may not have grown up with mom and dad together, might have grew up in foster care, may have had one, two, three, four parents in the household, but at some point you gained an understanding of parenting. And parenting is this this concept where there's a, a, a love present or maybe a love absent but there's some type of guardrails on your behavior. You can't just get mad that you didn't get french fries tonight and stand on the table and start kicking plates off the, off the table. You just, you just can't do that. Somebody going to put some, some guardrails around you. And I, I laugh sometimes because I get to see Uh, parenting on full display whenever I go to a toy store. I know it's a concept that half of y'all don't even know what a toy store is, but it's a place that has a lot of toys. It's like an Amazon building. And I used to to take the kids, and and it'd be funny because sometimes my kids with me would look at other kids and be like, ooh, Because sometimes you walk in and a child is like, ooh, there's a toy. Mother, how are you today? How might I give you a soft massage to help your aching back? Like like some kids get on best behavior when they know they want something. Some kids wild out. But all in all, it is the parent's role to set the standards, set the boundaries, set the parameters to see this kid prosper. Today we're going to talk about our Heavenly Father. We're going to talk about God. Talk about God's love for us shown through discipline. His love for us shown through discipline. There are many facets of God, and oftentimes we love to reflect and stand on the love of God, which is beautiful. But today we're going to actually focus on the discipline of God. Or said another way, God disciplines those that he loves. Would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12? We've been in our series of Hebrews where we are going through uh, these many beautiful angles of Jesus. We are understanding that our eyes should be fixed upon Christ and the Hebrew writer gives you all these different ways by which you see Christ so that you can endure. He recognizes that they're under persecution, they're under temptation, they're under some of that some of that uh, uh, lofty ideals that oh, maybe when we had some of our Jewish foundations, maybe we should go back to some some of our Judaism. Like like all these things are tempting them to turn away from their Christian walk. And he says, let me focus you on Jesus. Let me fix your gaze upon Christ. And so we get a chance to see Christ from a different angle today. Today we get a chance to see our loving God from the aspect of discipline. We're going to start in verse 4, chapter 12 of Hebrews. If you're there, let me hear you say amen. 
In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes and everyone undergoes discipline, then they are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to fathers of, to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Verse 12 and 13. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessings with tears, he could not change what he had done. And verse 4, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. If you've ever had a, a cut of some sort before, raise your hand. Raise your hand. We've all had a cut, an injury of some sort. Some type of blood has been shed before, but that's not the idea that the biblical writer's trying to communicate to us. Back in the day, they didn't have simple band-aids. They didn't have some, some uh, ointment to put on. Back in the day, when they referred to the shedding of blood, it typically was referred to death. It typically meant, oh, you got a bad cut, you just began to bleed out. So the Hebrew writer is trying to help them say, hey, you haven't gone through something so bad that you died. You are still here. You are still present. You went through some persecution, and I know it's been rough, but you are still here. Whatever you endured, you are still here. You ain't dead from it. I'm going to show my cards a little bit. Uh, my wife and I, we love a good story. We love like a, a just a, a well-told story, whether it's Creed or whether it's uh, um, Fukanda, um, Wakanda, you know what I'm saying, whether it's a Hallmark movie. And I know they all the same. I know it's the same movie again and again. But if the story is told good, we love it. It's kind of how, how we got into American Idol. Like, 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 don't get it wrong. I love good music. I love good singing. But the, the background and the story that comes up, like, catches you and it hooks you 
and the number two all-time American Idol singer, her number one song, Kelly Clarkson, mm -hmm, that's my girl. Um, Kelly Clarkson made a song, it's called What Doesn't Kill You Makes You. Mm, Y'all been watching American Idol too, huh? <laughs> but, but, that, but that became a, like an anthem. It, it built up and resonated with people, why? Because we experience adversity all the time. And sometimes in the midst of adversity, you're like, how am I gonna get through this? But then you get through it. And you begin to look back and you see, wait a minute, that was the hardest thing I ever went through. And now it contributes towards my ability to move forward. It's not something that just paralyzed me and I was done. It actually has helped me move forward. And the gospel writer is saying to them, hey, I know it's been tough, but you're still here. Keep pushing on. Keep going on. You are not dead. And so in light of understanding that this is a tool that God's going to use to make you stronger, he then begins to say, well, if it's going to make you stronger, let me tell you why it's going to make you stronger. Because you are a child of God. Look at verse 5. It says, and you, and you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as father, as a father addresses his son. You've completely forgotten the term used to help you understand the relationship that you are in. I want to just ask you to pause and pray with me for a second. Lord, I pray that as we use the term father, all the triggers that can be inside of us don't allow us to miss the moment that you're trying to work through. Don't let a painful father's experience or an absent father lead us to see you through that lens. Guide us and lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. So the term father is one that God is using to help renew their minds, help them realize who they are in him and who he is to them. It's a familiar term, and he's saying to them, hold up, you're going to endure. But one of the strengths that allows you to endure is you knowing that you are mine. You're my child. You're my daughter. You are my son. And therefore, you've got a father that has your back. You have a father that loves you. One of my uh, favorite gospel hip-hop rappers, I shouldn't say that because they don't like to be called gospel rappers. They just want to be called rappers anyway. A guy named uh, Sho Baraka, he had a, a song called Father. And one of the hooks in the song says, how do you spell dad? It goes L-O-V-E. It's this concept that, that, that as your father, let me remind you that I have your good in mind no matter what you go through. No matter what you go through. If we don't have that lens, if we don't have that lens and that understanding of God, we won't be able to understand the next verses that come. Because sometimes when you, when you don't think a person is for you, even their nice demonstrations, even their loving shows of action, you will see them as offenses to you. Are oh, you bringing me some food? What you really want? 
Oh, you're trying to help me. What you up to? You, you know how, you, how we can be skeptical of someone's motives when we don't feel like we can trust them? And for some of us, our fatherly experience has damaged the way we see our heavenly father. Who's saying, no, 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 you're my son. You're my daughter. Let me remind you of who you are and what this relationship is. It is one that is built upon love. And because I love you, you will be able to endure. Because I love you, I will give you strength. Because I love you, I am for your good. For your good. If I can be honest, though, it's tough for us to see God as being for us and for our good because we believe Satan way too often. We believe the enemy way too often. I'm not, I'm not, you don't have to confess. I'm going to confess for you. So you stay there. I'm going to stay up here. Let's keep it a little gap, okay? You see, because I, I know the depths of an evil heart. I know the anger that sometimes rises in me because my kids don't do something that I want to control. Because me and my wife are arguing over dishes. I know the, the, the pain and anger and even wrath that I want to ensue upon someone else because of how they say my skin looks or my height or dot, dot, dot. If I can be real, there's some people whose arms I've wanted to break, necks I've wanted to snap. You're saying, Pastor, that gets crazy. Like, that's a little gory. But if we, if, we can, if we can be honest, though, take everybody out the room and look in the mirror, and we list up the anger that you're looking at when you look in the mirror sometimes, sometimes we're embarrassed by our anger. We're embarrassed by our rage. How did the dishes get me to that point? You know, like, you, dang Hold up. Let me get right, you know. We went from zero to 100, like, and then you like, and a, and, a, and a holy God saw all that, and you telling me he still loves me? He still looks at me and says, I know, come here. You see, that is the, the, the relationship that we have with God, a God who says steadfast love is unconditional. It shall overwhelm you even when you don't want to accept it. It is still here for you. It is still pursuing you. It still is, it, your sin doesn't redefine you being my daughter. It doesn't redefine you being my son. So get your mind right. Let me remind you, your mind and I am yours. You see, that filter is a filter that now allows us to understand these next words that the biblical writer is preaching, because if not, you will see everything that happens from a godly standpoint as something against you instead of something for you. Look with me at verse 5. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. If you're a sister in here, God is treating you as daughters. For what son or daughter is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, 
in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate son, Ill- illegitimate children and not sons or daughters. This brother named uh, Mark Bellinger wrote an article, and, and it helped me put words to all of my, my study and prayer this week. It was called The Biblical Difference Between Discipline, Punishment, and Consequences. He said these three things. He said, punishment is condemning, discipline is correcting, consequences are causational. I'm going to say that again. Punishment is condemning, discipline is correcting, and consequences are the result of something we have caused or causational. It says, uh, punishment is a punitive action done to make the offender repay the debt they have incurred. It is done for the benefit of the offended rather than for the offender. It has the goal of caring for the offender. See, we all know that. That's the one that flow naturally. Oh, you hurt me? I'm gone. Oh, that, that flow off the tongue smooth. I got that one, Pastor. You, you see, see, punishment is, 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 is me giving you, I'm, I'm not trying to help you be better. I want to teach you a lesson. And I want to feel good about the lesson. You heard me. Oh, I'm going to show you what hurt feels like. Like punishment can be something that, that, makes a person, that makes a person just feel the weight of their action. And notice whether punishment, discipline, or uh, um, um, my Lord, cause they, uh, consequences, they all respond from, from us doing something wrong. Let me just say that. We, we are people that are broken and we do things wrong. God is trying to say, when you do something wrong, though, I want you to know I can still have your good in mind. But he doesn't punish us. See, God is not trying to, to take a giant, a giant rod and beat you down with it. There's a, 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 a sister. Well, I was talking with a brother in the church because he and I uh, both had some identity theft take place where somebody tried to open up bank accounts in our names. And uh, we caught wind of it. This was separate. We just happened to both have this in coincidence. We talked about it. That I was taken care of, and it, and it was jacked up. But it was for me. We caught it so early that it was just a quick minor inconvenience. Put some alerts on my account. We are all good. Never, never infected us really beyond the fear of what if. There's another ch- another sister in our church body though. She had her identity stolen. For the past two years, it has wreaked havoc in her life. Finances, credit score damaged, trying to get it repaired. Try to turn water on in her house, credit score damaged. Try to get food, try to get uh, 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 a down, try to get, um, try to rent a place. Like, Like all of these things because somebody damaged her credit, and can you imagine the punishment that she'd love this person to receive? 
this person who did this. I know, like, I know that, like, we just supposed to be like, well, no, we're Christians. You just, you see him, give him a hug and a kiss on the cheek. Please wish you didn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, but, but if we can be real, the pain that she's experienced having gone through this, like, like you would understand if she unleashed punishment on this person. And God is saying, no, 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 I don't do that. Because actually, we all have stolen identities of the world. And we've taken on an image that God never intended, and we've spit back in God's face and said, we, we're going to reflect the world. See, that, that, that identity that God wants us to reflect at all times, we at times have rejected it. And instead of God punishing us, bringing forth all types of pain, saying, let me make sure they get it, he says, no, I'm going to send Jesus. I'm going to allow Jesus to stand in their place. Why? Because God is a loving God. God is a kind God, and God also gets angry. And if you want a God that never gets angry, then you don't want a God that can relate to you. But this God is extremely loving, but also looks at sin and says, dang, how are you going to break my heart like that? How are you going to hurt me like that? But you know what? I love you. And your pain, your sin doesn't redefine our relationship. So therefore, in order to deal with this anger, I'll allow Jesus to step in your place. Look at what Romans 5, 9 says, and you don't have that, but you can write it down for later. It says, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Romans 8, 1 says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. We get to rejoice in the beauty and love of God because Christ said, I'll pacify your anger, Father. Your love abounds. But as their sin abounds, I will deal with their sin problem. So, family, we want you to know that punishment is not something that takes place in the Christian realm because Christ took on any punishment, any type of pain, anything that we deserve because of our sin, Christ takes it on. So when you experience pain, even from God, it's not because he's trying to punish you. But it may be because he's disciplining you. I like the way that Bellinger said, he said, discipline is a corrective action done to change the negative behavior of the offender. It is done for the benefit of the offender rather than the offended. Let me say that again. Discipline is corrective action done to change the negative behavior of the offender. It is done for the benefit of the offender rather than the offended. The end goal is that the person who has done wrong would be cared for and guided back into godliness. Guided back into godliness. I've heard it said many times, though it never was said in my house, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. 
No, nah, I think it's gonna hurt me more than <laughs> you know, like 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 we we have these different sayings that try to model like like to try to help a child wrap their mind around why a parent would do something that would be painful and it be for their good. And it ultimately be f- for their for their good. I um I know that 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 discipline is one of those things that that see like like now I'm on this side of parenting. Before I was on this side. On this side as a kid, probably till I was about 20, I thought I knew everything and every time I felt any type of boundary, I'm like what is up here? Why is you why is you trying to hold me in? Like come on mommy, come on daddy, like like get up off me. I got this. I know best. But now that I'm on this side as a parent, it is so easy to let a kid be undisciplined. You hit your sister, I'm taking a nap. Y'all fighting again, man, where my show at? It is easy to just let stuff slide. It is easy to ignore. It is easy to allow there to be little to no boundaries. But if you allow a kid to be lazy, they're going to be a lazy adult. If you allow a kid to be unruly, they're going to be an unruly adult. If you allow a kid to talk back, they are going to question authority when they're not supposed to. If you allow a kid, if you, if you, So as a parent now on this side, I'm working hard trying to provide boundaries and trying to correct wrong behavior. Why? Even when I don't want to, I'm doing it because I love them. Because I love them and they see it as pain. They see it as me holding them back. They see it as, and that's the same way we see God. See, pain is not the, 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 the evidence of wrongdoing. No, pain can be a part of your growth process. Where God says, I love you enough that, yeah, there's going to be some pain that enters into this situation because you was wrong. But watch, watch how I work it for your good. Watch how we use this thing to grow you and strengthen you. Watch how we see you experience love in the end. How beautiful it is that we have a God that says, I'm looking forward to your future. And even though you did something foolish, I won't let it be to your demise. I love you. Man, I can't tell you how many times I had those boundaries put up. And and in the moment, I'm like, what are they doing? And now you look back and you see, you see the fruit. The fruit in this room, like, like, like some of y'all work hard, and I'm like, man, that's not just inherent within you. Somebody instilled that in you. Oh, you know what? You are quite good with your tongue. That's because somebody told you, you better be careful with your tongue. Like some, some, some boundaries were set when you went too far that helped you know when to reel it in, and I'm grateful for God's love for us. This is, we're not talking about like like discipline as a, a self-initiative, like I work 
like 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 working out or something. We're talking about discipline as a corrected behavior. Brother, one of the articles I was reading said, punishment is about condemnation. Discipline is about correction. Punishment is about being fair, but discipline is about doing what is the most helpful. Punishment is about making the situation right. Discipline is about helping the person get right. Punishment flows from anger. Discipline flows from patience. Punishment is a response when the relationship is broken, but discipline is a response when a relationship is working towards restoration. Punishment can be about taking. Discipline can be about giving. So we've got punishment. We've got discipline. Lastly, we have consequences. Now, consequences is just that old adage. And I know I've used a lot of like terms that we use at home, but but this is another one. Sometimes when you make the bed, you gotta you gotta lie in it. Pun- con- consequences are not always the 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 anger of God or even the discipline of God, sometimes consequences are the result of your actions. And then God chooses to say there will be some grace in these areas and some grace not in these areas. I was listening to, to uh, uh, Bellinger who said, consequences are the negative natural chain of events that occur because of our poor choices and actions. These results are not done to someone. Rather, they are self-inflicted wounds resulting from personal choices. Okay, let me give you an example. If, if, uh, if, if a person lies or cheats or, God forbid, if a person uh, commits adultery, a person commits adultery, one of those consequences might be uh, they no longer are married, they no longer get to be in the home where they raise their kids, and uh, their children move far away. Or the consequence might be that they have a great relationship with the mom who, they, who allows them to allow the relationship to be restored. There's forgiveness that takes place. But the kids are damaged because of the threat of dad leaving. Like, like there's a long, there's a lot of possibilities, but, but your action brought forth all of the potential consequences. And God is gracious enough to say sometimes it'll be this, sometimes it'll be that. But we have to walk with God in responding to consequences that we have created. See, consequences can be very painful. But that's not God trying to punish you. That's you laying in the bed that you created. And God is gracious at times not to give you the weight of some of your consequences. Some of us know that we've done things wrong. And in God's graciousness and our willingness to pursue him, we've been in, we've restored relationships. See, that's why God's model is always important. So so even in my doing wrong and sin, I can do wrong, sin, and experience God's discipline and then choose to be unrepentant. 
how much of a great relationship will happen with the people that I've harmed if I'm unrepentant. If I'm mad at them, if I say they're all the, they're all the, it's all their fault, it's all their problem. See, discipline is used to lead us towards godliness. Yeah, I made it, I made a bad choice. I was foolish. I shouldn't have done it. And I'm sorry. And watch what happens to even your consequences when we move closer towards God. The problem is we get mad at the consequences and don't want to repent. And wonder why God's discipline continues in certain areas of our lives. Discipline is for our good. And our ultimate good is that we would look like Christ. So family, as he's trying to outline here, Stay strong. I know that you get challenged. I know that you get all types of persecution. I know you get attacked at times, even if the attack is mental and it's only in your own head. God loves you. God's got you. When you mess up, see his correction as a guiding and a leading towards you looking more like him and pray for grace in the midst of the consequences. The next verses just help us understand that, that if a holy God, if, if an earthly God, Father, will do this, you know a, a holy God would do it. Verses 9 through 13 say, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the fathers and spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while. As, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Lastly, he gives us an example. He gives us a, a he gives positive examples in the previous chapter, all these, all these uh, uh, champions of the faith. Then he leaves us with a negative example, negative example of Esau. In verse 16, he says, See that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Esau sells his birthright for a bowl of soup, y'all. Turned it in for a bowl of soup. But, but, but the, the idea, the principle that's being communicated is that later he regretted it. And guess what? He had to live with that consequence. A consequence from the decision that he made. But God still was using this to help him grow, to help him look more like Jesus. Discipline can be used as an act of love towards us all. I'm going to leave you with this last, this last illustration that a guy named Dennis Miller gives. He says, out of parental concern and a desire to teach our young son responsibility, we require him to phone home when he arrives at his friend's house a few blocks away. He began to forget. However, as he grew more confident in his ability to get there without 
disaster befalling him. Uh, the first time he forgot, I called uh, to be sure that he had arrived. We told him the next time it happened, he would have to come home. A few days later, however, the telephone again laid silent, and I knew if he was going to learn, he would have to be punished. He would have to learn a lesson that I would have to bring forth discipline instead. But I did not want to see him experience this. But yet and still, I went to the telephone, regretting that his great time would be spoiled by his lack of contact with his father. As I dialed, I prayed for wisdom. Treat him like I treat you, the Lord seemed to say to me. With that, as the telephone rang one time, I hung up. A few seconds later, the phone rang, and it was my son. I'm here, Dad. What took you so long to call, I asked. We started playing, and I forgot. But, Dad, I heard the phone ring once, and I remembered. How often do we think of God as the one who waits to punish us, as the one who waits to bring forth harm whenever we step out of line? Instead, we should see God as the one who sometimes rings just once with discipline, hoping that we will be quick to call home. It's a loving relationship that God has. But the only side of God's love can't be celebration, can't be joy, can't be fun. There are other dynamics to his love, and one of them is discipline. And my prayer for us all is that when we are disciplined, it will lead us to look towards God that we would be quick to call home. Let us pray. Father, we need you. We don't, how do we receive discipline and allow it to point us towards you? It is difficult to experience pain and not want to run from it, not want to ignore it, or not want to lash out. But help us, Lord, to experience pain and see it as you potentially working in our lives. Help us, Lord, when we experience pain, to let it lead us towards repentance. Thank you for your discipline. Is this for our good? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church family. We have uh, some communion by your knees. We're going to take our communion, then we're going to uh, have a time of uh, singing out to the Lord as we leave. This communion element, it is a reminder of God's grace to us, God's love to us. It is a reminder of God's hand being extended to us. He's saying, I want you to connect with me. I want you to experience me. I want you to commune with me. I want you to demonstrate your obedience and love to me by doing this. And this I have commanded that you do. It's one of the only commands Jesus, Jesus leaves us with. And he asks us to do this to remind us of the victory that we have and also who it is that we submit to. And if today as you're hearing me preach about consequences and about discipline and
And today you're like, you know what? I've been trying to lead my own life, run my own life. Today I want to submit my life to the Lord. I want to experience a God who loves me. And we simply ask you to pray this prayer and repeat after me. God, you love me. I need you. The pain that I should experience for my wrong or my sin, you put upon Jesus, who carried it for me because he loves me. Let me walk in forgiveness because of Jesus' death and what it accomplishes for me. And let me live empowered by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer, if you believe that prayer, if, if the words didn't come out right or, or you heard certain words, you're like, I'm not exactly sure what that means, but you simply are saying today, I want to love Jesus and live for him. Then we celebrate with you. We celebrate as a family of God, and we celebrate with God's angels who are praising the Lord for you coming into the family of God. You are now, as this scripture was describing, a daughter or son of the Most High, of the Lord.